0: There you can listen to or download educational programs related to all aspects of our divine faith, and you can review our schedule of upcoming events. We hope you can join us in person. The handout reference during this presentation is available for download on the audio section of our website. Father Francis, welcome this evening.
1: It's good to have you with us. Thank
2: you. Thank you. I'm very honored to, hear to speak for this
1: institute. Father, if you could please lead us in an opening prayer, we'd really appreciate that.
2: Yeah. First, that, you know, this is an hour that the Lord's given us to do the best we can then to meditate together and so so we grow. Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation to deliver us from evil. Amen. Entrust it, entrust it to Our Lady, though. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed it is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Okay.
1: You ready to okay, go? Father, thank you so much. And, uh, and yes, let's go ahead and begin the evening together. It's all yours. Okay.
2: So the title proposed to me, The Free Man, Education, and the Restoration of Liberal Arts. So basically, education... And culture, really about the same thing. Huh? Culture, it's a center of culture and all all cultures education. I put in a subtitle on the handout, um, Liberal Education the Quest of God. So that's how liberal education leads us towards God is what I'm aiming at. That's what it's basically all about, as everything else. As you know, St. Benedict went to a liberal arts college as a young man, but left very quickly. But it wasn't because he was against liberal arts. He was rather the scandalous activity of the other boys. He left the world, became a monk, and Benedictines have always been uh, interested in education. They, of course, they restored, really brought back liberal arts in after the fall of the Roman Empire to read scripture and think about God's God, God's word, communicate it. Many monasteries have schools today. We don't at Sherry Creek, but we do have a lot of teaching going on. So... Perhaps a monk can at least um, keep, uh, show the orientation of what liberal arts are finally all about. And I also hope to uh, bring up what they presuppose in our life, in our heart. So I have a, quite a few texts I gave you. I have more I've added. I, this is more, a, I, I don't know if you, are um, supposed to be more like a seminar. But it's going to be more like a lecture. But we'll read these texts over together anyway. If we had more time, it would be fun to talk them over more. I did provide your outline to help a little bit in those handouts. So you see there are three parts kind of following the title. The free man, so what is man first a little bit, so we know what education is about and have to know the subject. And then freedom, kind of where we're aiming why liberal education makes us free men. Then what liberal education is, liberal arts. This began, what, how it helps us become free, go to God, and then I'm going to add what kind of liberal arts presuppose. It's about restoration of liberal arts a little bit. I think that's a note I can add a little bit. Not being a college professor, I'm much less up on what, you know, uh, how liberal arts can be implemented today, probably, but I can perhaps as a monk help there. I have a little epigraph, it's not on your, on your quotes, unfortunately. We'll kind of we'll keep it on mind, and maybe we'll, at the end we'll be able to understand it a little better. From Jacques Maritain, "Quote: A person is in direct relationship with the realm of being, truth, goodness, and beauty. So with God, and it is only with these truth, goodness, beauty, God that he can arrive at his complete fulfillment. His spiritual fatherland consists." Of the order of things which have absolute value, and which reflect a divine absolute superior to this world, and which have a power of attracting us to this absolute. So that's our real home, he's saying, we have to work for, these absolute values where we see reflection of God, really, okay? So that's what liberal arts are about, I'm going to say, hopefully. So first, the free man. Start from the beginning, what is is about? You need to have some understanding of man. So what is man? So all philosophy, all literature has, you know, turns around this question, deals with this question without exhausting the riches of man's mystery. But Aristotle gave essential definition that provides a framework for any reflection. You know it well. Man is a rational animal. So it's a genus animal having specific, specific difference from the others. He emerges by his rationality. So we're animals, bodies with living living bodies, sentient beings. We have some plant-like faculties. We, we are senses, we have senses like animals. We emerge because we're rational. That is, basically we can know the nature of things. We're limited, essentially like everything else, but we can go beyond ourselves, enter into relation with other beings by our knowledge. In fact, the whole world doesn't suffice for this knowledge. We can open up to the infinite. We naturally go beyond this world. To its cause, we want the absolute truth, explanation of things. Man has a desire to see God, natural desire to St. Thomas, besides supernatural. We stretch. This world leads us to look towards the first truth. We also, of course, on our will... This, the world, we, we have an idea of goodness, and this world, all we see is limited goods. So we go beyond there, too. We go towards the absolute good to absolute happiness. More than the world can give. The world promises more than it can give, they say. So we go beyond this world with our will and intellect towards the infinite. I have your first text here, just from the Catechism. I will read to you. Text one, with the human person's openness to truth and beauty, his sense of moral goodness, his freedom, the voice of his conscience, with his longings for the infinite and for happiness, man questions himself about God's existence. The desire for God is written in the human heart because man is created by God and for God and God never ceases to draw man to himself. Only in God will he find the truth and happiness he never stops searching for. So man's also a religious being. He's a rational animal, a religious being. The Ancients used to say, he's. And this is certainly true, he stands upright and looks to heaven. That's his natural gaze. A French philosopher, I'll quote later, Father Certin Lange described man as an ardent emptiness. We're nothing in ourselves in a way. We're empty, but we're ardent. We have great, infinite desires. It's by knowledge and love that we can tend towards that infinite. And God we know has gratuitously lifted up this, this desire, this quest to himself, to his own life. We can be put in relation to God by his grace, lifting up our knowledge and love. I'll just wrote, I'll quote you in 16th here. Life in its true sense is not something we have exclusively in or from ourselves. It is a relationship and life in its totality is a relationship with him who is the source of life. If we are in relation with the one who is life itself and love itself, then we truly live. So that's what we want to do. So it's ultimately for this friendship, communion with God, divine, three divine person that we were made. So education, like everything else, has for goal to work towards this communion, knowing and loving God. That doesn't mean you just read books on spirituality. Although we do have to do that, or just the Bible. Even God speaks to us by His creation. Everything is a little reflection of His being. His Mary Tan, more or less, told us. We know that God is good. We have to know what goodness is, what beauty is. We call it a friendship with God. What is friendship? What is love? And then he speaks to us, and he uses, even about his own most intimate mysteries, he uses things we know. Like Son, what is a son? God has a son. He speaks to you directly, uses creation for that. So, we need to know creation. We're on a journey to God, and all these creatures point to him. And through them, you can have different aspects, different views on him. So the goal of education, like culture, is leading man to God, to know, love, and serve God. Because so one day we can go see him. There are many steps, many aspects, many riches, many roads. We have to know him, to know him. We want to also, we have to know in order to serve him, to serve others. So education forms us with this walk towards God according to the path providence lays out for us. Okay, now we're in the genus animal. So we have a sensible side, our emotions, all that has to come together in our knowledge and love of God, it has to work together with to organ. We have to discipline ourselves and bring, channel these energies to give gusto to our love, person contact reality. For all these reasons, just to mention human beings, the only one, is the only cra- creature, any, any creature, any being that's educated. It's education specifically human things, things, uh, specifically human things. Some higher animals can be trained or their, their, uh, their parents, you know, teach them a few little things, so teach the bird, mother bird teaches the baby bird how to fly, but they reach a plateau very quickly. Man open to the infinite. Has all sorts of potentialities that need to be developed and he learns gradually you have to receive data, reason about it, put it together, conclude. Also a social being. According to Aristotle, the highest friendship is one formed around the common quest of learning together to love and serve truth. It's very much part of our education obviously. So, teachers and then the whole community. Okay, man his free man. Uh, catechism defines freedom as the power Rooted in reason and will, to act or not to act, to do this or that, or, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. Persons responsible. We choose what we want to do, what we want to be in a measure. And our freedom, let's go right away, is built on the fact that by our aspiration towards the absolute good, we've talked about, the absolute truth, we dominate particular goods that present themselves to us. I'm attracted to a piece of chocolate cake, but I don't have to eat it only limited, relative, I aspire to higher things. I'm made for higher things. So I'd say the better we know high truths, the more we should be free, the more we can be attracted to something greater than this world. Nevertheless, freedom cannot be accomplished simply by knowledge, by the intelligence. We don't know high truths if we don't love them. We don't serve them. We don't really know the good if I don't give myself to it. I'm not really good for it. I don't, I don't recognize its goodness. We are more, so we participate in these things and to, we enter in war by loving them and serving them and knowing them. Let me, here's Mary 10, text two. Truth is an infinite realm whose wholeness transcends infinitely our powers and each of its fragments must be grasped through a vital and purified internal activity. This conquest of being knowledge and love this progressive attainment of new truths and the progressive realization of the ever-growing and ever renewed significance of truths already attained these open and enlarge our mind and life and situate them our mind and life in freedom the prime goal of education is the conquest of the interior and spiritual freedom of our person our liberation through wisdom and love No one is freer than the one who gives himself for a cause or a real being worthy of the gift. Infinite realm we enter into, we become more ourselves, and giving ourselves, we are more free. There are other forces in us, intelligence, will, but also notably our emotions, which can sidetrack our intelligence and will. Sometimes we think we're free when we give ourselves over to our whims, our sensible whims, our sensuality, but it's like a funnel. We're at large at first, a lot of fun, and we get trapped. The more we give ourselves over, the more we're trapped. The more we're slaves, as we receive advices, drug addiction, etc. It's fun at first, I suppose, but we get trapped. We can't get out. True freedom is like the funnel in the other way. Narrow, disciplined at first, and then we're at large. Benedict talks about the prologue. When we, once we have got this discipline, and we, we be in, our heart becomes enlarged, and we run in the way of the commands. With discipline and high desires, one finds a deeper spontaneity. We have this superficial spontaneity, but our depth of our soul have another spontaneity. We have to discipline this, so our whole being goes with this, our deep desires. Catechism again. Human freedom is a force for growth and maturity in truth and goodness. It attains its perfection when directed toward God, our beatitude. As Christian experience attests... The more docile we are to the promptings of grace, the more we grow in inner freedom. By the working of grace, the Holy Spirit educates us in spiritual freedom. Grace doesn't; it. it gives us to be better, it gives us to fulfill our will made for the good for God. It doesn't impose anything; it makes us more free, more ourselves. So education needs to raise our gaze, but also must concern itself with our emotions and imaginations, so they be channeled, so we are being worked together. Conclusion of this first part then, the truly free man is someone who understands the goal, knows the end, and also the means, He possesses intellectual and moral virtues needed to direct himself to that end. So that's education work, especially liberal education. So part two, education and the liberal arts. So we come to the second part of the phrase, so free man, education and restoration of liberal arts. First, speak, speak of liberal education. We can try and situate the arts and see how they serve the goal of liberal education. Dictionary basically defines education as any process by means of which man is shaped and led toward fulfillment. Our, we have our own self education, but we can't do much by ourselves, at least uh, all by ourselves. If we have to be helped, particularly first. One speaks of liberal education as part of this overall whole. So education, this accomplishing ourselves, achievement. And then liberal education is part of it. In contrast, what's called professional vocational training. The term liberal was, in fact, historically applied applied rather accidentally here. Aristotle compared education with the free man who does what he likes, whereas a slave does something for somebody else. So liberal education is something sought for itself. something beautiful and it makes us joyful, while vocational vocate, the vocational education uh, to, for another end, something exterior to ourselves. Liberal education, it's a joy in itself. And though it does lead to great things, it's good enough, it's a joy. It doesn't have any immediate utilitarian goal, you might say, Aristotle uses to use this distinction, I think mainly for contemplation, for um, distinguished contemplation, contemplative knowledge from production. Knowing how to produce. I like this text here, St. Thomas' little text. He's commenting or he's thinking about the book of wisdom, um, the wisdom book, saying, Wisdom tastes like honey for us, and wisdom delights playing in the presence of the Almighty. And he says, Notice on your third text, notice how contemplation is compared with play because of two characteristics. First, play is delightful, and the contemplation of wisdom brings the greatest joy. Second, play is not a means to an end, but is sought for its own sake. So also are the delights of wisdom. Children play, because they enjoy it. And we look toward the great truths, because it's enjoyable. Over education, contemplation, this useless knowledge is ultimately the most useful activity. It situates man properly relation to spiritual values, to God, and also give, influences his whole life, obviously. It's a good, cherished for itself. So that's the first note from some Aristotle particularly, first of all. When also, this has been a more recent, I think, note, when also characterized liberal education as a type that cultivates what's common to men. This is certainly true for Aristotle too, even if he didn't mention it in contrast to vocational education, developing differences among men. Vocational develops my aptitudes, or I specialize in something, but liberal education develops what's properly human that everyone needs to develop. It's concerned, liberal education, chiefly, with things that all men need to to understand and love and practice with indispensable things. It aims directly making men better as men, growing in our humanity. So just being, which you have to do too, a good, good sure task. Good worker. So, liberal education guides us then towards freedom because it enables us to use specific faculties—intelligence mean, and will—but our, our faculties, as they ought to be used. It aims at a disciplined, knowledgeable, experienced mind capable of mature and informed judgment. Emerson. Emerson said, "Liberal education aims at quote making able, earnest, great-hearted men." That's pretty good. So we're more free when we know how to use things, right? If we, somebody plays the piano, it's much more free than I am. Okay, can just kind of make any good noise out of it. We do need both types of education, vocational and specialization. Even for our growth in humanity, really you have to concentrate on a few things. Mm-hmm. And a balance is needed, obviously. The liberal side, truly really should be the core of one's studies at least through college, and should always have a considerable part of our life. Someone wants to be a good man, before he wants to be a good plumber or something. He'll be a better at his tasks. He's a sensible, capable man. He'll be a better sensible, capable lawyer, or whatever. He'll bring the light of his that's more universal, more general on this particular field. He'll see it better in the whole. So Okay, so what do we study in liberal education? One part, anyway, is the liberal arts. Today's expression is rather vague. It means general studies, liberal education in general, especially in the sense of humanities, I suppose, as opposed to modern sciences, some literature, and some artistic things. In the past, the term liberal arts meant something precise a family of specific disciplines. In the interior of liberal education really. Mm-hmm. At the basis of liberal education, these basic arts. There were arts the saying a word of thinking, so logic, and then usually mathematical, the exercising other mathematical sciences, and then reading, so expressing and writing. Mm-hmm. Understanding the structure of language and being able to use it effectively, basically. First fostered in Greeks Greece, Greeks saw education of Preparation of citizens, people of debating questions of the common good. Predominant, discipline was rhetoric, we might say, persuasive speaking, but they, they thought somebody had to have a broad education for that. So about 16, age 16, Greeks who, who continued their education were taught to analyze, reason, argue, speak, initi- initiated mathematics and sciences. And the philosophers reflect on this plato saw liberal arts as preparatory to philosophy particularly yeah, particularly mathematics is exercising us in abstraction he says for, quote for facilitating the conversion of the soul from the world of change to essence and truth to really finding eternal truths he called these liberal arts they were called liberal arts at the time exactly but useless knowledge but more important he said than ten thousand eyes because they enable one to see the truth. They're useless, we were saying, they don't have another end in themselves, but they, in fact, are the most precious. So, it goes on, this contemplative spirit, you know, it's waxed and waned over history The liberal arts. Mm -hmm. They're called liberal because we need them to fulfill our liberal education. Mm -hmm. Their skills, we're liberally educated. General skills, we need to be more human, to be human. They us by giving us command of our specific factors, I So here's Mark Van Dorn, text four. Both discipline and freedom are natural human desires. And each throws light upon the other. But men cannot be free unless their minds are free. But it is discipline that makes the mind free to realize its choices, to discriminate discriminate among them, determine their practicality. So This is for later, but I'll read it. Since most of its knowledge sleeps in tradition, its first task is to establish a wakeful relation with that past which never dies. Talk about that in a second. The task, thenceforward, is through discipline to acquire the necessary freedom for doing things well. The freedom of the intellect gives us possession of our greatest powers, the powers most characteristic of us as men. To be a master of oneself, In the language of education, it means a master of the liberal arts, Art a teacher at Columbia in the 20th century, first half of the 20th century. So the liberal arts are skills, instruments for learning. Their study does, in fact, involve content. Educational arts is not only to to learn the rules of doing well, but also to gain a basic knowledge and insight in things. So, they, the liberal arts give us these skills, develop these skills, and also initiate us into the world of ideas. Reflecting on great questions what is life, what is love, what is friendship, what's the good, how do we civilize man? So, in the matter, then, the great literature, art, history, mathematics, science, the foundational texts of science, things that people still wrote for the comment for everyone. Some philosophy, languages, probably. But the emphasis is going to be not on erudition or a lot of information, but awakening the mind. Really, maybe us to have a taste or to embrace the good, the true, and the beautiful. I have a nice text, very famous from Simon veille French philosopher, last century. She talks about typical liberal arts thing: studying a geomet- problem of ge- geometry. The solution of a geometry problem does not, in itself, constitute a precious gift. No big deal, but it is the image of something precious. It's really Being a little fragment of a particular truth, it's a pure image of the unique, eternal, living truth. Every school exercise, thought in this way, is open to the absolute. is like a sacrament. Learning these, to do these problems teaches a real attention to the depths of things. So that's really liberal arts there. One needs a basic understanding of what is justice, common learning behind various disciplines, nourishing oneself with pervading truths, though not with isolated ones as much as with principles. Aristotle said, in this way, we learn how we can hear when somebody's saying something, a new doctrine or some other field, we can situate it. And judge it in a measure, give a reasonable judgment in a broader context. Here's uh, Newman probably, probably thinking about what Aristotle said, text five. A learned man apprehends the great outlines of knowledge, the principles on which it rests, the scale of its parts, its lights and shades, its great points and its little ones. Hence it is that his education is liberal. A habit of mind is formed which lasts through life which of the attributes are freedom, equitableness, sorry, calmness, moderation, and wisdom. A cultivated intellect brings with it a power and a grace to every work and occupation which it undertakes. It has a clear, calm, accurate vision and comprehension of things, each in its place. That's an ideal and we do grow towards that. So the best initiation that quickens the minds to frequent the masters, great authors, great artists, Mathematicians, philosophers. John Sr. said, referring to a text by Matthew Arnold, to read what the greatest minds of all generations have thought about what was what what must be done if each man's life is to be lived with intelligence and refinement. Great authors talk about the great human values, deep, rich human values, friendship, fidelity, courage, love, love of family, attachment to our land, particular place. They awaken us to these great values and inspire us to launch, to to launch our life, to to go in that direction. The great adventure of truth. Kind of a long text, a little too long by Father Sartre Lange, but I enjoyed it a lot. So I will read you. The bond of the great mind, he's talking about reading great authors, multiplies the joy and profit of living. It enlarges the world. And makes it a nobler and more precious place to live in. So reading, getting in contact with these great minds makes the whole world bigger for us. More precious place to live in. It renews for each man the glory of being a man. Of having his, this is great. Of having his mind open on the same horizons as the greatest. I, I like, I understand what he's talking about. I understand. As the greatest of living on high levels and of forming with his fellows, with those who afford him inspiration, a society in God communion of saints is a support for the mystical life. The banquet of the sages is the invigoration of our intellectual life to cultivate the faculty of admiration and keep in familiar touch with illustrious thinkers is the means not of equaling those whom we honor, but of equaling our best self. This is the, this part I like the best. Listen here contact with writers of genius procures the immediate advantage of lifting us to a higher plane. They set the tone for us. They accustom us to the air of the mountaintops. In that world of lofty thought, the face of truth seems to be unveiled. Beauty shines forth. The fact that we follow and understand these seers makes us reflect that, after all, we are of the same race. A man of genius expresses humanity, and an echo within us responds to him. That's great. We discover a deeper part of ourselves. Also, of course, we learn our own heritage. Christian West, where the common values that we live by, we know ourselves better, we can communicate better, what our common ground is, our beauty of our culture. So, this is the work of college. Completes preparation of a young person before he enters manhood or womanhood, before his specialization, before he goes then in the direction where he's telling us why. Prepares him for human life. Human doing his work humanly, for using his leisure humanly, for entering into friendships. The man who then knows how to use his mind, who is armed with knowledge, has moral virtues, strength of judgment, spiritual heritage of our civilization, can go on to his specialty, seeing it where it is. Its, it's order, its beauty in the whole. It's not isolated. Let's see how it fits in. So where are we now in relation to this ideal? I don't know too well. You would know better than me, many of you. So wax and wane, as I said, as far as the Contipati side, certainly. Uh, just to mention one thing first, and we're leading up to the third part, the sciences developed immensely, the modern sciences. In the Renaissance, 17th century, it broke away, lost kind of their overarching. used to be studying the interior of liberal arts with Philosophy, deep, you know, putting them in their perspective, they, they broke off. In the modern times, also, then, so sciences are off. Humanity or the liberal arts, considered mainly humanities, then, literature and art, without the sciences. And they became more and more scientific, too, in a way, where techni- technical problems, research, less and less quest of truth in modern times they became. More and more just purely historical, seeing man's great works, without a quest of truth. More and more. As they say, the departments of the college don't really know how to talk to one another anymore, etc. That's one big aspect that everyone talks about. There was uh, the great books movement in the mid-20th century, trying to bring back liberal arts and succeed in major And many of our liberal arts colleges now, Catholic particularly, have been... Um, Built on that, okay, here is just one text, text seven I had, Alan Bloom, today a young person does not generally go off to the university with the expectation of having an intellectual adventure, of discovering strange new worlds, of finding out what the comprehensive truth about man is. That's what we should go to university for, in fact, but we don't, Yes, and the university does not try to persuade him that he is coming to it for the purpose of being liberally educated, at least in any meaningful sense of the term, as we've been using it to study how to be free. So he's saying what liberal education is, to study how to be free, to be able to think for oneself, himself. The university has no vision, no view of what a human being must know in order to be considered educated. Its general purpose is lost amid the incoherent variety of special purposes that have accreted within it. So, as I mentioned, when I went to college late, in the early seventies, Thomas Aquinas College was just starting. There really wasn't much elsewhere now there's quite a few good, quite good, Catholic liberal arts colleges. There's been much reflection on liberal arts, so I'm excusing myself to not get into concrete details too much, or at all really, on how to implement them and how to go on, as uh, Father mentioned, beginning there outside of college. But I would like to bring up one point, uh, this idea of restoration. So finality, God, growing our humanity, keep that and then the great works and then preparation there's other problems besides um, the arts themselves and the university and their unity and the but the preparation kids are less and less ready I just uh, I'm gonna follow here John senior who um, I know well and who really has a point has important points here to say was really, uh, that's his kind of specialty He um, had an excellent cultivated youth, you might say. He had a home life very rich in poetry and music and literature. He also, haven't talked about this too much, this type of thing, but very important too, he had a, during his teens, he would work on a ranch, work the cattle horseback, great experience all summer, but he didn't have much direction, religious or doctrinal, he loved literature, but nobody really helped him much towards the great truths. And he got into Eastern thought for years. And then one day, though, uh, he happened pretty much by accident to read Saint Thomas. One of his authors, in fact, was quoting, trying to talk to Westerners, quoting Saint Thomas in an Eastern way, kinda to back up what he was saying. And Saint Thomas said, well, "I'm going to look at Saint," or excuse me, John Senior said, "I'm going to look at Saint Thomas myself." And it completely bold and you know, uh, overwhelmed him. He, he completely turned around, and just a little over a year later, he and his whole family were brought into the Catholic Church. He was baptized. have been baptized. And after this great experience, then he thought, "Well, I'm going to teach Saint Thomas some in my classes." And he, Saint John, Saint or John Senior, was a wonderful teacher. But all of a sudden, no echo. Mm-hmm. He realized his 1960 students, that was in the 1960s, had not had the preparation he had had. They lacked branch work, you might say, contact with real things, and then good literature. And also, they couldn't, He you know, also in his literature classes, saw they couldn't hardly or didn't read, Do they didn't appreciate the great literature as much as he had. They just didn't know what he was talking about. They didn't have experience, you might say. Hmm? Used to, of course, it's getting worse now, you know, of course, with all electronic devices and everything made of plastic. So... Here's what he wrote, anyway, about this experience he had. The Summa Theologica contains clear reputations of reasonable heresies. You've got some principles you can argue. Reasonable heresies, but scarcely touches anyone who disbelieves in the very difference between truth and error. I realized that the scholastic philosophy had no impact on students whose minds were disconnected from tangible and emotional realities. So... We realize we have gotta get our sensitivity and our emotions and our imagination back connected with reality, back to being healthy. Major work of life. Students weren't ready for philosophy, St. John's. they weren't ready for liberal arts either. As I said, couldn't appreciate literature, etc. So I think seniors teach is all more pertinent today, as I said. Here's a Wyoming Catholic describing the situation. Well which you know better than I do, a world of virtual virtual reality, languorous comfort, and media assault on the senses forms mental habits of frenetic frenetic restlessness, inability to endure rigor and imaginative superficiality. The philosophic habit of mind that John Newman speaks of as the object of a liberal education requires mental habits and a fertile imagination far more subtle and refined than those inculcated by the internet world the steady reflective and contemplative grasp of the profoundest truths requires a love of beauty and appreciation for things learned slowly not by stimulation or instant gratification so so senior Realize we have to get, we have to go back to the beginnings. The bottom's fallen out. We have to go back to the beginnings. He wrote, no serious, is a nice line, no serious restitution of a society can occur without a return to first principles. Yes, but before principles, we must return to the ordinary reality which feeds the first principles. Awareness, sense of being, sense of truth, sense of goodness. To reflect then on this foundation of education senior turned to, to the ancient greeks their uh, ideas of boys gymnastic and music i'm gonna have to run ahead here somehow a little bit not much but a little bit they had gymnastic um so they're you know what we have in our olympics you know track and field and all that for the greeks do you have endurance courage career coordination music embraced all that, not just music as we use it, but the nine muses, poetry, song, tragedy, drama, dance, playing of musical instruments, observation of stars, history, but in the sense of story of the heroes. For the Greeks, the goal of this musical education, formation was to develop, refine, and control the imagination and emotions, render the pupil intellectually alert, and form him an aesthetic taste, patriotism, ethics, and religion. Here's what Plato, thinking about this, says. The blending of music and gymnastic, this is Plato, will render the body and soul concordant, intensifying and fostering reason with noble words and teachings, and moderating and soothing and making gentle the wildness of passion by harmony and rhythm. The idea of getting our enthusiastic part in line with our spiritual. Of course, Aristotle brought out how our mind draws its ideas from our imagination and memory, so they need to be in order. Mm-hmm. You can't know beauty until you've seen a sunset or a rainbow, mm-hmm. or you know what goodness is, you have to have the experience of a good person. Mm-hmm. So senior begin to realize we need this living experience, hold on things, contact senses and imagination. Here's this text which is very beautiful, Ron Senior, text seven. John Senior, One, 6, 7. There's something destructive. Destructive is the human itself. So property you. In cutting us off from the earth from whence we come. So, it's contact with reality. And from the stars, the angels, and God himself to whom we go. So, we might want to go to heaven, but we need to draw from our environment, etc. Someone can't honestly admire the maker until he first honestly admired the things he made. It's an insult to ignore the artist's work while praising him by hearsay. That's a nice line. Taste and see. This thing is good. It couldn't make itself. Therefore, we know that he who made it is good. If you jump from rocks or things around us to God, I mean, look, that, God made that, without a long, sensible so experience, emotional, willful, thoughtful intercourse with them, you under, your understanding and love of his goodness and greatness will be proportioned to the meager experience. Education supposes love of life, grounded it, ground it in acute sensation and deep emotion. So thought about education on this level is you know, easily neglected. It's been kind of a recent problem, but now we have to make a deliberate effort. Senses, imagination, intelligence, a normal natural progression, the senses, contact reality, it enters our interior senses, that needs to be developed and cultivated by literature, etc., and then finally, come to the liberal arts, it's a question of dominance at the different stages, not, you use intelligence at all, you use your intelligence on each level, obviously, here's a, I did not put this in our text, a formula, a very good formula that seniors summarized the process, I and remember it. Here you go. Try to remember it. Gymnastic begins in an experience and ends in delight. As for in delight. That's the word. Delight in reality. Music, large sense, begins in delight. Then, go on that. And ends, as for end, wonder. Wonder about the mystery of things. Called to the causes of things. Philosophy begins in wonder and ends in wisdom. So, jump to exactly here. Plato wrote, "Let's begin with acknowledgment that education is first given through Apollo and the Muses. If one has no contact with the Muses in any way, the soul becomes feeble, deaf, and blind, because it is not aroused or fed, nor are its perceptions purified and quickened." So, goal. The light, you see, peel, feeling the appeal of things, not my just my enjoying my sensations, but the interest in things. Wonder, then, goal. Triviality, but really the deep causes. It's a reverence. for something greater than me, but in which I participate. It's my mystery, too. Something inexhaustible that I want to enter in more and more. And beauty is a particular way that we enter into wonder. Plato wrote, is not right, love? A... Sober and harmonious love of the beautiful. The end and consummation of musical culture, in large sense, is the love of beauty. So he says the goal here is the love of beauty. Wonder, same thing. It's about beauty making us grow wings, you know, and it turns us away from the dark parts of the cave towards the light. Gymnastics already leads to wonder. Beauty of the mountains, something greater than ourselves, it's all. hmm? Skies full of stars, but then particularly in literature, though, or art anyway, the muses. That really bring out the beauty of things, the beauty that shines forth, the light that shines from the splendor of the form, so you guess what I believe says, underlines the beauty, the the idea that's incarnated here. And they confront us with the mystery, the simple things. Uh, The muses don't, um, art doesn't make you, doesn't uh, address itself immediately to our thoughts so much as to our imagination or our senses and emotions. Why well, it engages us, it doesn't try to prove anything, it presents rather, the beauty of this, we intuitively are reasoned. Not a lot of abstraction or reasoning, but we see the beauty and get an idea of the meaning behind it. It's something we can analyze very easily. That's something for later. The liberal arts can turn back and try and analyze these things, but the, the first experience, we need first to experience and feel the attraction of beauty Mm-hmm. in this, that then we're ready to reflect. We have to know the beauty of the rainbow before we reflect on what beauty is or why the rainbow affects us. Mm-hmm. Here's Jacques-Marie Tan. We should let ourselves be moved by a work of art, delight in its beauty. Otherwise, we may thoroughly discuss and analyze it, but we wouldn't understand it. First comes the intuitive, emotional, intellectual delight that the work's provoking us. Later, the rational discussion of the causes of this delight and how the work is internally structured.
1: I want to take the opportunity to thank you, Father Bethel. And uh, one question that was written in here, this will be our transition into Q&A, was, is there a way or sort of, do we have a list of colleges that we would recommend? I would just point you to the Cardinal Newman Society. If you go to their website, hover over Newman Guide and go to Recommended Colleges, Uh, they have done the work for you in which they list colleges that they would recommend. And uh, we're, you know, proud collaborators with the Cardinal Newman Society. They've been working with us this year. And so we would just point you in that direction if you're looking for a guide uh, in terms of colleges. This question is coming in from Melanie Allard. She writes the following, how do we ensure the pursuit of liberal arts is not in opposition to, or to the exclusion of, the pursuit of vocational education and not elitist due to the high cost of higher education.
2: It's, I, you know, most colleges, even in the old, you know, my time, they had two years kind of liberal arts college. We need that core anyway to become more human. And so it is a balance, like I said, between the two. A light as far as money, I don't know how that works at all. As far as money, but it's just a common human. There were great writers that help us. You know, they were are an elite among the human race species, but it's just common, good, healthy human values we're growing into. Is you know, and the balance, you need the both. You need both certainly, and then as I said, concentration on your specialty develops your humanity also.
1: Lisa Kearns writes in and asks, um, well, she writes, I've seen the addition of piety as foundational uh, that is necessary before the study of the seven liberal arts, along with gymnastics and music. Could you comment on this?
2: She means uh, supernatural piety. I s- certainly, I suppose like Wordsworth, his famous poem, Child's Father the Man, I wish my days to be linked each by natural piety. So this, but certainly also, I mean, we have to develop our Christian life with this piety for God our Father, who is our creator also, makes us have more respect for his creation, all that works together for this preparation I'm talking about for um,
1: the liberal arts. There's um, another question coming in, um, and I'll actually just point you to a resource on this one. Liam's writing in and saying, how can the modern man, modern layman, better cultivate a philosophical way of thinking especially in this age of technology and distraction. I'm just going to point you, Liam, to uh, the talk on metaphysics that I mentioned. There's also a talk that we will include on Plato's Republic. And in both of these, Professor Cudderback talks about um, the importance of developing this habit, this philosophical way of thinking. Uh, So you can look at those talks to pursue that theme further. And then let us conclude with this talk. This is from Diane, who writes, uh, Anthony Esselin has written how college age students are not able to engage in the great books because they haven't been taught how to engage in great books. How would you advise parents to prepare their children for a liberal education at the university level when the middle school and high school education is lacking?
2: Well, um, that was what I was going to talk about a little bit. Sorry, having the. Dr. Senior talks about the, the thousand good books that really engage our emotions and participate, and engage our emotions in the good, the true, and the beautiful, and then we're ready to reflect on them later. Um, to engage also in the great books, to get this deep respect, not always have this critical attitude, but to realize someone greater than me who has contact with great truth is speaking to be more docile certainly be part of learning to read the great book and read them slowly to uh, which we're just he just referred to dr cuttebacks that part is a philosophical temperament and aspect of things also this taking our time not being so frenzies we were saying there and Hurrying through things, but let let the truth and the words enter into you uh, have to build up interior silence too, not always having all these human thoughts and criticisms, and but to let let reality speak to us. So this whole, uh, as far as home, peaceful, um, natural habitat. You know, working and playing in as much a natural habitat as we can. And these good books and art that engage our our minds and our heart, when we're ready, you know, and we're ready with a little initiation to read Homer
1: and Virgil and Dante, a little help on the way, I'd say. And just an, an, uh, continuing with that, a word of encouragement. Sometimes uh, we can kind of, I know there's a lot of uh, like fretting mothers out there, right? that are, have this task. They want to be educating their children along mm-hmm. with their husband. And I think it's just good to remember that it's not like God's designed this thing to be like a pop quiz and he's going to trick you on it. Um, mm-hmm. You really don't need to do um, kind of as much as you may be fearing. The, the main thing is just to mm-hmm. keep them in contact with reality. And if you're um, engaging in a natural conversation over dinner if you're making little excursions out on the weekend and getting into nature, um, it's not like God is going to uh, put this whole weight on your shoulders alone. But He's built the whole universe to guide you and and uh, and be part of this whole educational um, path. So just keep that in mind. Well, thank you so much. Father right. Could we receive your uh, blessing yep. in conclusion All right. here? All right. this one, this is- Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Father Bethel.
0: We hope you enjoyed this presentation from the Institute of Catholic Culture. If you'd like to learn more about the mission of the Institute and how you may become a part of this important work, please visit our website at www.instituteofcatholicculture.org or call us at 540 635 7155.